Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. What are you doing down here, you shiny man? Thanks very much for tuning in to Second Captain's Football at the Irish Times. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon for you. Normally we put the first football show of the week out on a Monday, but uh, with the bank holiday and all that, we, uh, we hung on till today and there's plenty to talk about, certainly. I'm not sure if it's just the speed at which a story moves, feels to me like uh, as though it's been about 10 days since David Moyes was sacked when in reality it's been not even 10 hours. Uh, reports are that Moyes' own day started very early again. He was in the office for 5am, had to wait around a few hours before the suits arrived in, had their espresso, came in and axed him. Yeah. Quite literally axed him again. Yeah, it's a sad scene when you think of it. Moyes arriving in at 5 o'clock. I mean, why would he arrive so early? So was he got up already? Did he... Go to sleep? Did he? Was he able to get sleep last night? I imagine that he probably wasn't. Probably didn't sleep very much last night. And then he comes in and he waits. After hearing the news that he knew was coming from Edward Woodward, he waits to for all the players to come in and shakes hands with each and every one of them and thanks them very much. Maybe he wanted to look one or two of them in the eye before he uh, walked out of there for the last time. Did he do that? Did he shook sh- mm. hands with them all. Okay. He waited to shake hands with everybody. He thanked all the staff and was on his way, reportedly with a payoff of one year, one year out of the five remaining on his contract. It turns out that the six-year contract was really only if he was doing well. That's when they would support him. Uh, not so much if he didn't do well. Gary Neville didn't like it very much, he said in Sky Sports News. There's a lack of decency in the way football managers get dealt with, and it kind of gets to the nub of it that Man United, Manchester United, well-known player now in media, has to grin and bear it and admit that his club is the same as every other club. Yeah, I thought Gary Neville was talking a bit of nonsense, actually, really? to, to be honest, because I thought he was maybe trying to have it both ways, because on the one hand, he's saying, this is terrible, what a great man, it's terrible the way great football men get thrown in the bin. On the other hand, yes, he had to go. Pretty much, I mean, you look at you look at what he, <laughs> what he said, I mean, he said, my belief is managers should be given time. However, uh, things obviously weren't very good, and maybe this changes for the best. Um, but he, I mean, the idea that it has to do with—I uh, mean—he he compared it to the past. I mean, where's the quote exactly? 
Um, well, he said this thing, which I which I would take issue with. He said uh, the players have to take massive responsibility. I never once during my seventeen or eighteen year career at United turned around after a game and thought you lost us that game, boss. Now that may may be true, may be true with um, you know with with the fact that Ferguson was his manager that whole time. Maybe he never did think Ferguson had lost in the game. Uh, maybe he wouldn't have dared to think such a thing. But such a thought is very common among football players. I mean, they're always thinking to themselves, well, you really balls that one up, uh, boss. You know, they, they, they think that kind of thing to themselves. I mean, there's countless examples. One that springs immediately to mind is Dietmar Hamann uh, talking about the Champions League quarterfinal against Leverkusen. You know, he thought Liverpool were going to win the Champions League in 2002. That was until... Gerard Houllier intervened with a series of Mr. Magoo-like substitutions. Taking Haman out uh, was one of his key errors, <laughs> as far as Haman was concerned. And in his account of that, pretty much every player was sitting in the dressing room afterwards thinking, you lost us that one, boss. You know, this is something that happens all the time. If the manager is, is making mistakes, I mean, the players aren't immune from thinking, well, I think the manager's made Maybe a few Ferguson mistakes. Maybe Ferguson was so powerful, though, that he could read Gary Neville's mind. So mm. Gary Neville wasn't even, could not even countenance the idea that Ferguson might have cost him the game. After, be... after a particularly bad result, Ferguson looks at Neville in the eye and goes, Neville, you're, I know what you're thinking. Yeah. I'm not boss. I'm not thinking it was your fault. No. Don't think that, Neville. I wasn't thinking that, boss. You know, I suppose Neville, Neville's mind was in the way the creation of Alex Ferguson. But you know, the, 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 this idea that uh, players would never think that unless they're being really unprofessional is totally untrue. The boss is a, the manager is, is a, can make mistakes like anyone. You know, he's only a human being and the players are well aware that the manager sometimes makes mistakes. And I think it's quite clear that a lot of the Manchester United players thought David Moyes was making rather too many mistakes. Well, we'll talk to Richie Sadler in a little while. Richie's going to pop into the studio and John Bruin of ESPN. But let's get into Ken Early's report on sport. The other thing that Neville, that, that I was a little, you know, I, I didn't, I, I don't agree with Gary Neville when he says, he says this, uh, he says, it's a different world to the one it was in the 1980s when Dave Sexton, Ron Atkinson and Sir Alex Ferguson were given time through their difficult moments. Now, that's true. Okay, I agree. I agree it is a different world. It's just not going to happen anymore. It's something I don't like about the modern game, the fact managers get sacked every 12 months. It doesn't matter whether it's my club or any other club. Um, I genuinely believe there is a lack of decency now in the way in which football managers get dealt with at all the different clubs. So he seems to be suggesting that the reason things are different now from the 1980s is that there isn't as much decency about as there was in Thatcher's Britain in the 1980s. That it's become a, that people were kinder to each other back then. That football men had more respect for each other, which is complete nonsense. It's totally untrue. I mean, the problem is that the stakes for the guys who are making the decisions have become much bigger. Yeah. You know, so when Martin Edwards was deciding not to sack Alex Ferguson. He did so knowing that if he didn't sack if he didn't sack Alex Ferguson, Ferguson again had another bad season. Then he could sack him, and it wouldn't make any difference, really. And they'd have lost a year, but you know, at the end of the day, would it have made that much difference? Would it have made much difference to Martin Edwards's own financial situation, for instance? No. Whereas with the Glazers, it makes a huge difference. If David Moyes was to be retained uh, and to have another season like this and another season out of the Champions League, and suddenly people are, are thinking, well, are, are Manchester United really going to do a Liverpool on it here? Are they really going to uh, Are they going to be away from the, from the elite level for a protracted spell? That's, that has a huge effect. The Glazers are the owners of the club. Their main interest is in, is in 
the capital value of the club. How much is Manchester United worth on the market? Mm -hmm. Because the fluctuations in the share price for Manchester United, which, by the way, is, seems to have been very resilient throughout all this, it's still trading above, well above where it was launched in 2012. So, you know, there, there didn't seem to be any major problem there. But if they were to continue, if, if they were to have this kind of institutional crisis to slip into that mode, suddenly, uh, if the you know if the value of the club dips a little bit, what you're talking about, what that equates to for the Glazers is hundreds of millions of dollars of their money, their money, family money. You know, the the they own the club, whatever they can sell it for. You know, say they can sell it for three billion. That's a lot better than two billion. Mm-hmm. You're talking about hundreds. Well, of particularly millions when you've dollars. got a debt that you're. I don't think the debt is even really their main concern anymore because the club is making enough money to cover its debt. You know, even if the club isn't in the Champions League, they're making enough money to keep paying the debt. You know, I don't think the Glazers are going to find themselves in the position that Tom Hicks and George Gillette were in, where they literally, oh dear, we we can't afford to pay our loans. Our, Our asset has effectively been repossessed and sold off by the bank to someone else at a knockdown price. I don't think the Glazers are going to be in that situation. Because Manchester United are making so much money, the debt was taken out some time ago, it's been restructured a couple of times since, I think it's probably manageable. It's not not, ideal. Yeah, I'm not sure that it's as simple as saying, though, in the 1980s, there was less to lose from the point of view of a club owner, a club chairman, therefore people weren't sacked. I think once it started happening, it's it's the way society works, that the people, we we know certain things are acceptable and certain things aren't because most right-thinking people don't do certain things or do do certain things. And it's the, it's also the people who you probably um, are in contact with. And club owners back then, mm. it just wasn't seen. It wasn't the done thing. Once it starts happening, and I know part of it is down to the amount that's at stake now, but I think part of it's down to just how acceptable it has become to get somebody in on a supposed six-year contract mm. and then boot them out after 10 months. Nobody sees this as remotely unusual that somebody has only just... No, the unusual thing was the original length of the contract. That was the that, thing yeah, people well, that's were, true, were surprised yeah. by. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't even really necessarily agree with Neville that, that sackings were less common. I mean, maybe he's, maybe at Manchester United, the, they didn't happen very often once Alex Ferguson had taken over. There were no, there were no sackings for nearly, nearly thirty years, you know. But that doesn't managers, plenty of managers were getting sacked back then. Um, I mean, Moyes is walking away with, you know, four and a half million pounds supposedly as as his years. I mean, you do wonder though, is it even worth it? What he's had to, what that's cost him, you know. The, the, the usual things is like, well, how sympathetic can you be to a football manager? Because, you know, a guy walks away on one of these contracts, gets a big payoff. <sighs> yeah. There's people under a lot more pressure out there than some guy who's just been given millions of pounds for not doing his job very well. But this, you know, everywhere he goes for the rest of his life, it's going to be, oh, there's David Moyes. You know, I mean, I remember Alex Ferguson talking about he writes in one of his autobiographies about um, losing 5-1 to Manchester City in, in the in 89, I think it was, and how ashamed he felt and how he couldn't look into the eyes of anyone because he felt as though he'd betrayed that man. I had betrayed that man. Well, imagine how it feels to be David Moyes and to know that wherever you go in the world, people will look at you and lean over to whoever they're sitting next to the table and, and whisper and say, look who it is, it's, it's David Moyes. Would four and a half million pounds be enough? So what are you saying, that he should have... Or he may, if you look back to that being summoned to Alice Ferguson's house last winter, he should have refused. I don't know. I, 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 I don't think that he could. I don't think he could he have refused. refused. I, no. I, he strikes you, not that any of us know David Moyes, but he strikes the kind of person who would regret that even more, mm. the, not having the 
balls to go and have a go at being Manchester United. That's Manchester. the thing. And I think I think for the next several months, David Moyes' mind is just going to be this constant L'Esprit d'Escalier. You know, this sort of... Oh, that's, you know, he probably will catch himself in the shower sort of ranting at Rio Ferdinand, having winning an argument against Rio Ferdinand, the <laughs> argument that he should have had, you know, what he should have said... Uh, on the first day of training, you know, as soon as he heard Rio Ferdinand say, I think it's fantastic for Moisey to have experienced players like me that he can call on and to give him advice, help him to be a better manager. You know, if he just dragged him straight out there, kicked him in the ass and out, in, out drive away, never want to see you here again. And, you know, in front of everyone, they would have seen that. Would it have gone down well? I don't know. What if he'd gathered all the Manchester United players together and said, you can take all your medals and all the cups and all the leagues you want and throw them in the biggest bloody bin you can find. <laughs> Would that have worked? It didn't work for Brian Clough, but at least it was, at least he was failing on his own terms. <laughs> you know, he was really giving it a go. It was not the right go, but it was, it was a go, you know? Yeah. Whereas Moyes has, has it, what he reminds me of, and so, someone, I saw the comparison between him and Brian Cowan. And there are some similarities. You know, I mean, Cowan too was... Uh, hand-picked, you could say, for succession, found the situation that he inherited perhaps not as rosy as it may have appeared on the outside. I actually think Brian Cameron probably was in a worse, faced some worse external circumstances than David Moyes had. The, the situation he inherited was possibly, <laughs> possibly worse. But they both responded in the same type of way with this defensive public persona, this sort of defensive awkwardness, this inability to say anything that wasn't just this jumble of cliches and rubbish. You know, and Cowan used to talk about the fundamentals and turning a corner and we all have to strategize together to, you know, just this nonsense. And he never, he could never think his way out of it. He could never give any, give people anything else to think about. There was never an image or a piece of rhetoric or anything to arrest it. He was transfixed by his own impending doom. And, but David Moyes has, appeared that way from the start, as though he's he knows what's going to happen. Oh, you could see it after the game against Everton when, I don't know if he believed himself when he said how well he felt his team were playing. Well, the talk is that, you know, he, he knew before then. Really, yeah. That, I mean, because I, I noticed that he did say about Phil Jones, well, if a couple of stupid decisions cost us, well, a stupid decision to dive in for the ball. Oh, yeah, that was, and it was an uncharacteristic an individual player. Critical, yeah. of, especially a young, you know, still a young player like Jones, you know, to, I mean, Moyes maybe was thinking, well, look, I'm, you know, just, let's just point out here that Phil Jones has committed a particularly stupid error. I don't really see why. You know, I'm, I'm paying for my mistakes. Why don't other people... Why, but wasn't is, that a particularly dispiriting way for Moyes to go out having to bring his team back to his old club where he was booed by many of the supporters booed and mocked mocked by supporters give us a wave Roberto Martinez the young charismatic manager playing a much oh. more attractive style of football Ugh. and then with Moisey's rock solid defence by the way <laughs> yeah. that's Moisey's rock solid defence right there and Martinez Moisey's buccaneering fullbacks Kevin Morales who signed Kevin Morales yes it was Moisey you know, and Martinez is there yeah. thinking positive, uh, the, the conductor on the sideline. David Moyes, Seamus comes out, David, David Moyes is like, this is the greatest signing in the history of the Premier League. I've got this guy <laughs> for about 50 grand from Sligo Rovers. I've got that guy for 50 grand. This you think amazing. I would have been allowed to sign a guy for 50 grand here? <laughs> you know, Moyes is there with his assistant and they've got a big ring binder and it says set plays. Just the unbearable pathos of this image. Set plays. 
it just was. It, it was so they're awful. both. This is an image where they're both having. They're having a look at this binder, and you can actually see those words on it. So this is their Everton are winning two 0 The the place is is all is is in between cheering, is laughing at David Moyes, um, and he's consulting a binder, like a the kind that you'd see in any office, um, you know, with a, a bunch of printed out. Set, I assume, set place because that's what the label, the sort of clip art label on the front was. And, it, you know, you just. Even the way that Everton went about winning the game, the assumption was that they would play their possession football and play the Martinez way and keep the ball from United. Actually, they said, no, you can have the ball, United. We'll just lump it up long to Lukaku and he'll bully your defenders. We'll get a few knockdowns and score some goals. Yeah. Moyes must have been thinking, he's just not even, he's actually playing my old way. He's not <laughs> even doing this. But will I, read, will I read that in the papers? Will I read about Roberto Martinez's Stone Age football? I don't think so. I don't think I will. You know, but, but the, the fact is, it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked for Moyes, you know, whether it was the players, whether it was him. I mean, obviously, a lot of it was, was him. Um, you know... It's 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 really great. I mean, there's a lot of articles today. Obviously, a good one by Mark Ogden, I think, um, in, in which he details lots of the little moments. The little uh, this is in the Daily Telegraph, starting with at Bondi Beach last year, where Moy said, "Oh, lads, why don't we go for a walk on the beach?" Uh, apparently, not realizing that if you take the Man United squad out for a walk on the beach, they get mobbed. Even if you are in Australia, he'd done this with Everton, and, and nothing had happened. So they, they ended up having to have this sort of security problem and everyone having to wait in some restaurant while they were rescued, you know? Uh, and, and he's kind of there, well, mm, okay, I, I, I'm beginning to see. There's a, the, he, he has a quote from Moyes, again in Sydney, this is the pre-season tour. I tell you, there's not one person who would turn around and say, taking over Manchester United, do you think he can walk in there and breeze in and think he can do it easily? Of course not. There has to be an element of fear that comes with managing a club like Manchester United. You know, it's just... That just strikes me as somebody being honest. But it's not about being honest. Being a leader is not about telling people honestly what's on your mind. That's what you tell your psychiatrist, maybe. Although, you know, if you're a leader, you can't even admit to having a psychiatrist. You know, you've got to tell people what they need to hear. That may not be the truth. In fact, usually it's not. You have to be... That's why it, it involves thinking up Creative lies to L- tell people. Like Brendan Rodgers. I'm not calling Brendan Rodgers a liar here, just to be, be clear. But the message he was sending out even in the darkest days was, oh, we were tremendous today. Yeah. You're thinking, Rodgers, come on, you're, well, Moise, you're messing with us Moise was doing a bit of that too. But it was more like Brendan Rodgers at least came in and, and started laying down some, you know, heavy duty nonsense. But at least it was sort of, it was nonsense that stopped you in your tracks a little bit and made you think. It was death by football. You're thinking, what does that even mean? It doesn't mean anything. But it was at least an attempt to articulate some kind of a vision. It wasn't just like something really, uh, really dull and literal. Like, we're going to try and do better. We're going to try and play a bit better here. You know what I mean? It was death by football. It might have been nonsense, but it was. A, it put a bit of thought into it. You know, it was. It was. Uh, it was a vision. It was the vision thing. There was never any, any vision. I mean, what's Moise? I've got to say, I feel it's the right job for me and hopefully I'll make it work. Hopefully, you know. Never, never really gave the impression that he, that he thought it would. Uh, that he thought it would work. So, okay, it's, 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 it's pretty grim what's happened. Yeah. A lot of talk now about who, who it's going to be to replace when Jurgen Klopp also has already said today, I'm not interested. My commitment to Borussia Dortmund is not breakable. Um, I was a bit surprised by that, actually, because I thought, well, isn't Klopp, I mean, if you're serious. I said, Klopp, Jürgen Klopp, 
I mean, what, is, he, is he thinking, I'm, I'm not sure I really fancy this Bayern Munich. I'm not sure I really fancy another season of Pep at Bayern Munich. Mm. Maybe I can be the manager who, who uh, the Pep killer. You know, Mourinho did it. Mourinho did it in, in Madrid with a squad of players who hated him. You know, I've got a squad of players who still don't hate me. And we've just beaten them 3-0. Maybe this can be done. And if it can be done, what an achievement it would be. And he's obviously secure in the status that he has there. The fans, certainly at Dortmund, have massive respect for him, verging on adoration. Uh, against that, the, the, the option of going to Manchester United, you know, having to use Rooney. Rooney doesn't fit into Klopp football. You know, he's a player who can't press. He can't, he doesn't run around. You know, whatever you say about him, he, he can't do that. Um, you know, Rooney, a £300,000 striker who once paid £200 for a packet of cigarettes. That's what you work with if you go to Manchester United. Sorry, what? That was one of the. That was a story about Rooney years ago. It was one of his. It, it was. We no need to go into the circumstances of the story in which he found himself in the hotel. But the story was that he, that the uh, that the uh, bell boy, bellhop, whatever you call him, had been paid two hundred pounds by Rooney to get him a pack of cigarettes. Oh, I think he said two hundred thousand pounds. No, not two hundred thousand oh. pounds. Rooney would have got his own pack of cigarettes <laughs> that, at that price. That seemed a bit flash. Two hundred, even for a. Cosseted Premier League football again. <laughs> £200 is well above the market value for a pack of cigarettes. You know, okay, so, so Klopp says no. So who, who are you looking for now? Louis van Gaal. Louis van Gaal is this intriguing option. Tottenham have been flirting with Louis van Gaal. He's managing Holland at the moment. Um, he's going to leave after the World Cup. Um, surely he'd rather manage Manchester United than, than Tottenham. Who wouldn't? You know, especially if you've got all this money to spend. You've got Robin van Persie as your centre-forward still for the, for the time being you know I'm sure Louis van Gaal a man who's and the thing, interesting thing about Louis van Gaal is that he is a, he is a real coach I mean he's a, he's a guy who's published a, a book called Biography and Vision an unbelievably pompous book I think yeah. you have to pay about £100 to, to own this thing you know it was like this detailing his vision but he does actually have a vision you know this is a man who's, who's um, coaching was integral to Ajax winning the Champions League okay this is a pre-Bosman Era, but still a momentous achievement. Getting to a second final where they were beaten by a, you know, Juventus team who certain facts later emerged about. You know that that could have been twice in a row for Ajax, the only team to retain the Champions League if Juventus hadn't had that extra, just that extra stamina to keep them out in extra time and get to penalties. Um, goes to Barcelona and is credited by some people at Barcelona with introducing or, or helping to refine the style which. You know, goes on to achieve success under Rijkaard and and Guardiola, in addition to winning couple of others, goes to Bayern Munich when they're in a situation very similar to what Manchester United are in now. You know, having appointed a manager, Jurgen Klinsmann, in their case, who they sacked in April, uh, just as David Moyes has been sacked, knocked out of the quarterfinals by the best team in Europe, really humiliated in, in Europe. They brought in Louis van Gaal, Champions League final next the following season. You know, things went bad there eventually, but he got the team playing really good football. You know, he really, he, he, he had a great impact at Bayern. So maybe, and, and in between winning the league with, I said, Alkmaar, this is a guy of serious achievements. Nah, does any of it mean anything, though? <laughs> does any of it mean anything? Well, it does because... No, you're forgetting a, forgetting a certain date. A certain... Well, I can't remember the exact date either, but... I'm, oh, the, the, the date is the 1st of September 2001. And the venue... The venue was Lansdowne Road. Indeed. And That's the formation, 4-1-5 or something by the yeah. end of it. Who is it? Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank, Ruud van Nistelrooy, Roy Mackay, and 
can't remember the fourth Dutch striker. I do was. remember Cla- Clavert, I suppose. I do remember. Oh yeah, Clavert was playing. I do remember Hasselbank um, on the right wing, hammering in shots at will. You know, just absolutely blemming shots in the direction of the goal for no particular reason. Yeah, well, look, he thought maybe that was the best way thing to do, kick the ball at the goal. Maybe this guy will throw one in for us. That wasn't a great day for Louvain. Now, we've all had, we've all had bad days. But, you know, I think he, he, he recovered well. The question is whether he would still, whether he's still got this sort of energy, you know, whether he, whether this is a man who, with a great body of work behind him. But, you know, the situation that Manchester United are in now, can they afford to take a risk on another kind of small fry like David Moyes. When I, when I, say, I don't mean to demean David Moyes by using a demeaning term like small fry, but what I mean is, do they need to select now from this small group of coaches who have won the Champions League, won titles in different countries, a guy with the sort of authority to go in, look at the squad and, uh, and, and do whatever needs to be done, you know, without fear of what journalists are going to say, which is something that Moyes certainly did, without worrying he's going to upset the existing hierarchy. You know, I think we know who the media in the UK would prefer to have, and that would be Jurgen Klopp. I don't think Louis van Gaal is one who bends to the media too much, whereas Klopp would be happily entertain them. Klopp, the, the media in the UK love Klopp, and he loves them. You know, it's a bit different in, in Germany. They're, they're, they know Klopp a bit better; they're more used to him, and it's it's always the case that familiarity breeds not necessarily contempt, but yeah, a certain amount of simmering. Well, and that might have happened with Jose Mourinho in the last little while. I don't think I don't think anybody's enjoying Mourinho as much this time around. Mourinho's out there in Madrid, where Ancelotti, Guardiola, um, Simeone, and Mourinho are all in Madrid, getting ready for the two Champions League semi-finals. Um, Chelsea are on today. Simeone, of course, is the another name now linked with Manchester United, mainly because his team is doing really well. Let it go, doing really well. Um, they're, they've they've got very little money uh, and they're doing really well which is I imagine the Glazers are looking at thinking we'd like a guy who can do that please very much that'd be great league title possibly Champions League possibly uh, all on all on a budget a third the size of mm. Barcelona or Real Madrid that sounds good Jose disappointed you at the weekend? Yeah well I, ju- I just want to say that Simeone Simeone is another Man United guy that who they're, who they're, they're linked to mm. he's, t- he's a completely different character from Louis van Gaal totally different type of uh, football system as well. Clearly, this is not a football-driven decision. Whatever is going on, it, it doesn't seem like there's any coherent. Uh, well, we don't know. They, have, they, they haven't announced their shortlist. These are just the names that are being mentioned, really, because they're the they're the top guys. They're the top guys. The, the top guys who might be risky. I mean, the top guy is probably Pep Guardiola, but I'd be yes. surprised if they got him. No, I don't think he's going to leave uh, Bayern at, at this. But Simeone is a guy who doesn't speak English. Does he need to though? Given how amazing he looks is that not half the battle Simeone is a guy who's, who actually has a touchline look you know just all black um, I think we talked about him before and said he looks like one of the guys in the bar in, um, in uh, From Dust Till Dawn all right um, <laughs> uh, he, you know he, he before, looks before or after they turn into vampires he looks like he's probably he, he's a man who probably knows how to use a knife you know <laughs> and he's just the guy who regardless of whether or not he can speak English he, he's got a sort of a natural authority uh, uh, swaggering machismo, um, which which maybe would go, maybe would go a long way. Who knows? I mean, it's, it's we're all Mourinho. Mourinho is there. Uh, seems to be in a really bad mood. Now this could this could have to do this could have something to do with his Chelsea team choking in the Premier League running. They've Chelsea have choked. Mm. If they if they manage to win the league from this position, it will be because it will be because Liverpool and Manchester City have choked themselves. And Chelsea have somehow managed to stumble, you know, in a finish akin to the crawl, you know, that famous triathlon scene, the two 
desperately hyperglycemic athletes trying to try to crawl over the finishing line when they can't even see where they're going. That's that's the only way Chelsea can now win the league. It's not glorious. And um I don't think that matters if they do it though. It does. I think well, I think it I think it you know, if it finishes up like the crawl, <laughs> it's a bit embarrassing. But you know, we were talking last week about the Diego Torres book. Um, uh, Mourinho now finds himself back in Madrid, the city where they saw all this happen the first time round. And what what happened effectively was Madrid failing to win a series of games against teams like, um, you know, uh, Crystal Palace and Sunderland. Sunderland uh, a t- teams, the, the the type of teams who play against Mourinho, the way Mourinho likes to play against everybody. That's the type of football that he's been least successful against. And something he still hasn't seemed to find the, find the cure for. But it, as just as, in, uh, just as in Madrid, what's happening at Chelsea is whenever the system fails, individuals are blamed. Torres, um, a few weeks ago, where are his balls? Or, you know, the, the strikers have no balls. That's the problem. It's not that my team isn't prepared to, to win this type of game. It's not that there's a problem with the tactics. It's that there's a lack of balls. When I look around this room, I see some men who don't have any balls. That's what's going on. Uh, after the game against um, Sunderland, mm-hmm. obviously it was the referees. But it wasn't the referees because the, the penalty that was given to Sunderland was, you know. But always the blame has to go elsewhere. We sh- we have to mention one other thing. Oh. Yes. Uh, Liverpool are top of the league. Yeah, they're about to win the Premier League. It's pretty incredible. So Liverpool win the Premier League if they draw with Chelsea, win their other two matches. Um, or if they win all their matches, or if Manchester City don't win all their matches, I'm going to give them that last game. No matter the pressure involved, I'm going to give them a victory against Newcastle. You think Newcastle aren't going to go to Anfield and and mount a desperate last I stand? Think, I think the cop might suck a goal in. I think they might suck a goal <laughs> or two in against Newcastle. Crystal Palace, of course, but does Tony Pulis too friendly? So it's up against it's it's Chelsea next week, and at the moment Liverpool look much more up for it. Although you saw against Norwich just how fine the margins can be because Liverpool started this unbelievable um, knack they have developed of scoring a goal in the first couple of minutes. In this case, Sterling scoring a goal that reminded me of uh, Figo. Figo against England. Remember in Euro 2000 where he, similar to that, he hit a great shot which took a very important deflection very close to the to the source of the shot and flew into the top corner. Um, Suarez then scoring the second but as soon as Liverpool conceded, the, the, essentially they played out the rest of the match in sheer terror. <laughs> I mean, when, when Sterling scored the third goal, it was such a lucky goal that you thought, well, that is definitely a kind, the kind of goal that, the, you know, this is a team that has, I don't know whether Brendan Rodgers has done deal with the devil, Owen, but it did look as though a kind of, there was a kind of Mephistophelian arc to that shot from Sterling that carried it over the goalkeeper. And it is the kind of thing that happens when the team wins the title. That's the end of Kennerly's Report on Sport. I want to book a holiday. I want the flights, the hotel, some flattering new bikinis, a big silly hat and nice dinners in local restaurants with cute waiters. And I want... No, I have to be beach ready. So I need to be a regular saver. KBC understands spending is easy, but saving is hard. That's why we have a range of savings options with tempting rates that make savings simple. So you can save when you want and spend when you want. Visit kbc.ie, call 1-800-5152-53 or pop into any KBC hub in Dublin, Cork, Limerick and Galway. KBC, the bank of you. Terms and conditions apply. KBC Bank Ireland PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Richie Sadler has popped into studio. Richie, how are you? 
grand. Good to hear. Um, David Moyes isn't grand, unfortunately. Uh, he, well, I don't know when he first learned of the fact that he wasn't the Manchester United manager anymore, but I guess the rest of it, the rest of us all learned it yesterday afternoon on Twitter. What have you made of Manchester United's handling of it? A lot of people think it's crass and maybe classless. Yeah, I'd agree. It's all of those things. It was fairly badly handled. I mean, I was at, I was at a family lunch yesterday, Monday afternoon, and just turn on your phone and it's all over Twitter. And it shouldn't be that way. Like, we shouldn't have found out that this news was imminent in that way. So obviously somebody internally, within the club anyway, leaked it to the, to the media for whatever reason. And, I mean, it was handled appallingly. I mean, Manchester United for a long, long time have claimed to be a club that had certain standards or did things in a certain way. Um, the last couple of days w- w- would would seriously challenge that. Yeah. Uh, what was the worst of it? Because... The initial news leaked out, whoever leaked it from Manchester United. Um, from then, there was a protracted period in which there was no statement. Eventually, Manchester United, I think they tweeted their statement this morning. Um, so it's when he put it up on their website. 33 words was all it was. And maybe, I don't know, this could be the way to go. Usually you get these quotes from the, the chairman, the chief executive or something like that. You get a quote sometimes from the manager. There was none of that. This could be the way to go. But what part of it, was it just the initial way that the news was released? Is that the biggest issue? Or, or was it the fact they left them then hanging for 15 hours or whatever? I think, so. well, I suppose we don't know how much Moyes specifically knew over the last 15 or 18 hours. Maybe it was just they were tying up the contractual details or just, I mean, they weren't obviously spending a great deal of time into how to word the statement based on the statement that they did put out. But I just don't think that it should have been done in that way. Um, if, whenever they came to the decision as to, to, to replace Moyes, obviously I believe it's the correct decision. I think any, there's no coherent argument you could put forward to say that it was the wrong decision. Um, the timing of the decision, I don't think it really matters whether it was now at the end of the season because the remaining games are of no consequence whatsoever. Um, but the way in which they did it, yeah, I'd agree. I don't think it should have been leaked to the local media or whoever. I mean, it was it was obviously a decision internally in the club. They said, well, this is, this is the way we're going to do it. We're going to leak it out and whether to soften the ground. I don't know why you would do it. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know what they would do that for. Do you think the remaining games really are of no consequence? Because, you know, Ryan Giggs can come in now. A few great performances under Ryan Giggs. Maybe they found a new man. I assume that's completely tongue-in-cheek. Look, all I'm saying is if, if Ryan Giggs comes in and auditions brilliantly for the job at the club that he served with such distinction for 75,000 years, then I think why the, look I think any the tongue further? is even further in G, well, that follow-up question. Do you know what? I think so. I, I, is he realistic? In, in my mind, no, and, and, and should never be. If, if they win the remaining games, all of them 4-0 with brilliant football, and he gets a great response out of those players, and the fans love him, and all the media are singing his praises, he's still not done nearly enough to be even in the conversation or on a short list to take that job. This is the Manchester United job. Like, I remember the, 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 the criticisms you would have had about David Moyes initially is that he didn't have enough experience at the level that he had managed. A, a hugely successful manager at the level he managed, but Ryan Giggs has never managed. He's never taken charge of a first team. He's never... He's never done any of the things at any level that you would demand of the new Manchester United Besides to do. Besides lived at, and breathed Manchester does, United for As a footballer, years. as a left winger. If you, like, that's his, that's, it's the same well, argument. As a coach more recently, uh, although he seems to have been somewhat marginalised. Exactly. Yeah, role, would yeah. you look at the last season and say a lot of them 
a lot of what Man United did was as a result of Ryan Giggs' input. It either it either say yes, it is, in which case Giggs' case has been weakened, or no, it isn't, in which case you, you've nothing to offer the conversation as to why Ryan Giggs should do this. It's the same argument as you know Alan Shearer, great player, loves Newcastle, give him the job. Like you, you've you've got to at some point remove a person's playing ability and say, right, well, he's going to be a manager. So what's required in the role of manager? P- specifically, Manchester United manager. Being a really good player, loyal to one club, understanding the fans, understanding the club, however you want to phrase all the things that you would expect that Ryan Giggs would bring to the table. None of those are the things that you would demand of the new Manchester United maybe, manager. Maybe Giggs's political manoeuvrings in the last few months suggest that he's actually got a bit of a flair for this type of thing. I mean, having originally been... One of David Mo- David Moyes' loyal player coach, uh, he he ended up um, being distanced from David yeah, Moyes. Yeah, you do see that. Uh, well, I don't know who did the distancing there because you see that he was reports that Ryan Giggs was marginalised as both a player and a coach. But who knows what sway he has behind the scenes? We all saw Paul Scholes turn up and yeah. back pretty strongly against David Moyes and immediately. Looked at the connections Paul Scholes has within the dressing room, Manchester United, and thought a couple of words might have been had in in the year there of Scholes, and that might have been a, a way to do it. You do think that the, the, there's a possibility that there was a bit of um, behind the scenes goings on? I think definitely there was. I mean, Giggs has positioned himself quite well. I think maybe he does have a uh, maybe he does kind of know what this is all about. And the worst of it for Giggs, worst, ca- worst case scenario, he gets to manage Man United for four games. Yeah. Worst case scenario, yeah, and I'm sure you know it's not long enough to prove that he's not suitable for it, unless he, unless he, I don't know if he lost all four games. Would that be a blood in the game? It's unlikely to happen. I, I guess the, the dice are. It's not long enough to prove he's not suitable. No, I don't think so, because he can go and and train and learn and uh, improve himself, and then return as a a more experienced manager. I mean, let's just say he he. It's not like Phil Neville, who appears to have gone down with the ship. You know, Phil Neville, loyal to Captain Moisey, uh, is now in Davy Jones's locker, mm. career-wise, at Manchester United. Whereas Ryan Giggs, who was also aboard the good ship Moise, ha- has been found uh, bobbing on a piece of driftwood. He's still there. This is one of the issues, though, that I've found in the last day with regards to how David Moyes is being written, written about. It's as though everything he did now is seen as completely wrong. The smallest incident is being... Dredged up. I saw a good piece you tweeted, Ken, um, in the Daily Telegraph. Is it Mark Ogden in the Telegraph? Yes. And he, it was really good. And it, was, it was well put together and it made sense. But he mentioned that he, he was at a function in Sydney and there was a five-minute highlights reel of the history of Manchester United and Moyes let a wow drop from his lips because yeah. he was so impressed. As, as though that was an indication. I don't. I think we're, really, we're being a bit too retrospective there. I'm just wondering, Richie, if you feel it's retrospective to say now that uh, is it incorrect to say that Moyes was wrong to bring in his own coaches? Because usually you hear, well, a manager, of course, he brings in his own coaches. He's going to bring the guys that he works with. But the counter argument is that those guys didn't have the experience of Moodenstein and Mike Phelan, who were there before them. I think it was a big call, but it, w- it was one that you could totally understand why he did it. Because it, it's, there's nothing new with a manager going into a club and bringing the staff that he's worked with and trusts. That's majority of managers would want that. So he's done nothing differently. But because that involved removing all the people that were so popular with the players, apparently, who had been at the club for so long and were part of the Ferguson regime, that you think, well, in, in, in one decision, he's removed what, what could have and should have been like a, a huge help to him. 
So, yeah, but all we're going to get now for the remaining few days is people writing pieces saying this was the right thing to do. It was always the right thing to do. It was inevitable and he had to go. Mm. Um, now, now, I happen to agree with all that. <laughs> yeah, I'm fair. You have said it consistently yeah, from but, the moment he was appointed. But it, it's And you'll get a little bit of rewriting as well. You know, the, the, the new man, when he takes over, people say, well, you know, look at the squad here. He's, you know, he's got Rooney, Van Persie, Welbeck. Kagawa, Mata, Yanazai, and people say, well, do you know what? It's a really good squad. Two weeks ago, everyone was saying, you know, it's, it's, it's an awful squad. You know, Ferguson handed Moyes a load of duds. You've got to give Moyes time. So there's going to be a lot of kind of nonsense and contradictory stuff coming out from a lot of people, but um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a good day for Manchester United that he's gone. I, I'll say that. It was handled really badly. They didn't come out of it well. Giggs, I don't think, should be considered by anyone as a long-term replacement. Do you feel in any way sympathetic towards David Moyes, sad for David Moyes as a person? Do I sympathise with him? Um, I think it's obviously a difficult day and he's had a really difficult season. Um, he will get it as soon as the next Premier League job is available, which will, you know, <laughs> it's going to be any day now. I mean, the, the, the rate at which they're being sacked, he's going to be in every shortlist to get another job. He's got a huge payoff from this one. Um but I think his reputation has taken a bit of a kick in all year. But you would have to feel from obviously at that level personally, but it's, it's a hell of a job to be given. I mean, he was given the job as Manchester United manager with a brilliant squad who were title winners. He was given 60 or 70 odd million to spend in his first few months. That's, that's a great deal to be given. Um, he'll be back in management very soon. When you look back at uh, everything's happened, I mean, we, you know, we've seen how things went and obviously Moyes maybe seemed a bit too impressed by everything and a bit too awed by the situation mm. he was walking into. Is there any way that he could have worked out? Is there, is, when you look back, is there anything that he could have done or, or, or could have done differently that might have helped things to work out in a different way? Well, what if he'd maybe you know, made an, a strong Rio Ferdinand up outside the training? I mean, you can't do that anymore. It's in mm. the modern game. You can't, you can't get away with... Uh, with that kind of that kind of physical punishment, uh, or making a phys- punishing a player physically to make an example of him in, in the way that maybe previous managers were able to get away with. I just don't think Moyes had the personality to do it. I mean, you can imagine the mud- other. The obvious example is Mourinho. He actually, he did it at Chelsea. You know, Mata was the two years in a row player of the season. Close friends with Abramovich, hugely popular in the club. He goes in, says, "No, you're not doing things the way I want things done. You're dropped." And then he says, right, you're gonna, I'm going to sell you. Not only going to drop you and sell you, but I'm going to sell you to our biggest rival. And that just seemed like a normal thing you would expect of a big manager with a big personality at a big club. You couldn't imagine Moyes even coming out with a mildly critical comment about one of his squad, let alone do what Marino did to Mata or someone of Mata's standing within the club. Well, we, we talked about him marginalising um, Ryan Giggs, for example. Is, is Ryan it, Giggs is 40. When is Ryan Giggs going to... Forget that he's stop trying to pretend he's a football player and grow up. I think it's the most ridiculous thing. Forty years old and he's pretending he's still a football player. Forget it, Giggs. That's quite strong. Well, that's what Moy- maybe that's what Moyes should have said to him. Moyes just sat him down and said, "Listen, Ryan, you're a legend and all, but your career." Well, Moyes, isn't maybe, guy, maybe, Moyes isn't the guy giving him a new contract every year. Yeah, but maybe I mean, we're assuming he marginalised Giggs. Like, none of us here know what Giggs is like as an assistant manager or as a coach. Mm. We, we don't know. He's never presented that side of himself publicly. We, we, so we don't know when he's sitting looking at a game, 
what he sees, how he analyses things, how he how he puts together a strategy for a group of players to go out and beat an opponent. We know none of those things. And they're the only things that matter when you're talking about him in his role as a coach. So maybe marginalising Ryan Giggs is absolutely the sensible thing to do because none of us know, bar his playing ability, we, we don't know what Ryan Giggs brings to the table. But my point about that, was that not one of those big statements that we talked about? And we've, we've even chatted But it was a big statement. He'd come out and say it. He'd come out and say, Ryan Giggs, that's it. You're, you're, you're Getting rid of the coaching staff, is that not big? Were, were there not signs that he was willing to do? This is probably irrelevant now, really. Cause yeah, he, it kind of is, yeah. But, uh, you know, maybe there, there were signs that he had, he had some sort of a force of personality. I, I don't think, I, 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 when you're sitting here, and again, a lot of the, 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 the focus over the next couple of days, people will point to the moment when they thought, right, well, he was never going to survive after that, mm. be it a comment or a result or a performance. I can't think back to one moment where I thought, he's a Manchester United manager. I can see now why he was given the job. I, I, I can believe the people now who say things are going to get better. Here's why I think that. There wasn't one time, you know, when you stick with a player or, or you, 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 you really push for, for, for someone to persevere with a player or a manager, you have to give a reason. And you point to something specific. You say, well, I like the way he does this. I, I, I just, I've seen him do this or I've heard him do that and I like it and I want to see more of it. I can't think of one example from his time in that job where I thought he suits that job. Moyes and that job are matched. Yeah. I can't think of one. Here's the thing that I wish would happen. I mean, we saw that this, the statement from Manchester United, it was like 33 words or something. Yeah. And it was like, David Moyes has left. Club. Thank you for the. Thank you for your honesty, hard work, and and integrity. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for not lying to us. Yeah. At any point. Um, uh, it's a pity that those qualities have walked out the door with you, because we could do more of, of them in our club. This statement did not say, but rather than accept Manchester United's contract settlement, which apparently is is on the cheap, you know, they don't have to pay up most of his contract because he, frankly, was such a catastrophic failure that. He doesn't deserve. <laughs> he doesn't deserve it. This contract is written in such a way that if you miss the performance objectives by such a margin, then you know. Yeah, it's, it's not as simple as they have to pay the last five years. You know, Thirty million pounds or, or whatever would be remaining on the contract. It's 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 less than that. Rather than take that and all the hush clauses that it undoubtedly entails, if Moyes was instead to go to hotter headline Alex Ferguson's publishers and say, yeah. Uh, you had the biggest selling book of 2013. How's about the biggest selling book of 2014? A tell-all account of my season in hell. Uh, the Damned United, written by the actual figure at the centre of it, in which I spill the beans of what really happened here, with chapters on Rio Ferdinand, Ryan Giggs, Robin Van Persie, a big, big chapter on Robin Van Persie. I mean, I would, I would queue. I would queue for the weekend. To, to get my and hands on that And you haven't queued for books since probably the last Harry Potter. The last time I queued for anything was probably the Nirvana concert in, in 1994. You know, that, that uh, concert that never happened. I mean, I would, that, it would be an event on, on that scale in my life. David Moyes' tell-all uh, story of what really happened. I'm sure it would make him a lot more than one year's salary or whatever uh, Manchester United are offering. If David Moyes was to write such a book... What do you think he put in it? I would buy it, first of all. <laughs> and I'm not a great man for reading books. I'd certainly be, buy that the one. Contents? I mean, what, what do you think? If, you, if you're looking at it, we're, we're imagining ourselves now, David, and he's a private man. And I've no doubt that he's not going to write this book. And I think that's a sad, that's sadly in keeping with a lot of things that he's done. He's not going to write this book. He's not going to tell us what really happened. He'll be a good, a good man. And he'll take his, his medicine from Manchester United without, without a whimper. But what would be in this book if it was to appear? 
you you're asking you're, Richie you, to you're asking me to write an imaginary yeah. forward even to yeah. what, 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 what went wrong from, from Moyes' point of view. What I'm saying is everyone is everyone is looking at Moyes and what he did wrong and his 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 lame uh, you know. What were the speech. issues at Man United that he would have that he seemed to run into? Yeah, how did how how did the club let him down? How did the players let him down? As opposed to just the the ways that he fell short. I mean, he fell short. He didn't couldn't sign any of the players that he wanted. Yeah, and I did see Ken that uh, well, this has been written out quite a lot, but one of the the death nails for for, uh, for Ferguson for David Moyes was the l- players not trying. Players clearly were not trying for him against Everton, and were not trying for him. You hear this kind of thing, and you're thinking, well, just, that's a bit easy for the players, then, isn't it? Because all they have to do if they don't like a manager, if I'm a Premier League player now, I'm thinking. Well, I don't like my manager. I just won't try for a few weeks. And, you know, there's always next season. Is that a p- pretty sad indictment that the players, it's just casually tossed around this idea that, oh, well, the players weren't trying. They weren't playing for their manager as though that's acceptable in some way for a Man United player. I, I don't think it's it's acceptable, acceptable at all, but it, it is. I mean, I, I watched that performance against Everton and he, whether Moy specifically mentioned it in any of the build-up or in any of the team talks, you, Everyone in that session would have known, like, personally, this is a big day for Moyes. He's gone back to Goodison Park and there's a lot at stake for him personally. And this could be an embarrassing day for him if it goes wrong. And there was no sign from the performance that it meant as much to the players at all. It just didn't. Now, that's not, that wasn't a standout performance in the season. You could probably point to half a dozen others where they're equally as bad. But the, 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 the thing on, on players not trying, I think just the, the, the combination of them all, where it was Moyes... The limited coaching staff, or the 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 inability of the players to deal with Ferguson's departure, or to take on board whatever Moyes' ideas were, or his change in plan, in his his tactics, or his approach, or his personality, just a combination of it all was woefully short. Mm. So, obviously, the focus now is Moyes. Right, he wasn't good enough, and that's why he's gone. Fair enough. And a lot of the players, you would imagine, the new man, whoever he is will aim to get a hell of a lot more out of those players because there's more to be gotten from them. They, it, they, they were very poor. It's an interesting, interesting question that Ken asks. Everyone talks about the disappoint, how disappointed Manchester United have been in David Moyes, but I wonder how disappointed Moyes has been in Man United. This club that made him, that wowed him at the start and had him in such awe, maybe he started looking at it and going, <laughs> not everything about this place. He'll know, is... like he'll know. Like the thing you mentioned there about the books, if you wrote a book, like the little insights, the little observations you get in training where you put on a session and you look at two lads and go, right, they're not trying... They, they, they can give me more and they're not or, or, or whatever you, you know you know in a dressing room where people are behind you you, you, you just instinctively Rio Ferdinand right behind him yeah, you know but he's, the, he's the obvious example but the, the load of others like subtle little things or maybe not so subtle things where you just know right this fella here isn't doing what I'm asking he, he, he's 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 just not and those are all the things that would be really interesting to find out we never will do you think there are more other aspects that might have disappointed him. Maybe there's a, been a big play made on the fact that the chief executive had changed and maybe it might have been different if David Gill was still oh, there. I'd love to read the chapter on Edward Woodward. Really, yeah. Maybe but he look, didn't get quite the support that he thought. He gets the six-year contract. He gets this, all this talk about, um, about uh, how this club is, you know, believes in patience, believes in building, uh, believes in stability. You're the guy, you know, we trust you. We trust your values. We trust your principles. That's what we believe in. We're not going to be swayed by, you know, a couple of results or maybe falling a bit down the league table. What that amounts to is we will support any manager who wins the league every season. That We will give our unstinting loyalty and devotion to any manager who is always successful. That's that's what you get at Manchester United. That's what That was what the promises amounted to. And, you know... Uh, 
I, I mean, the, the, the most fascinating thing here is, is, is Alex Ferguson. You know, he was obviously the guy who gave Moyes the job. Did he stick with him? You know, this question that we've been asking, will we, will we see Alex Ferguson make his position public well, on this? Well, Mercati was talking to, uh, talking to us about this in the first programme today, and he said he feels that he has to, Ferguson needs to come out now and either say, listen, I'm distancing myself from this decision. I think David Moyes was my man, and we should have given him more time. Hmm which is an unlikely thing to happen, I would have thought. Yeah. The other thing you can say is, I totally endorse this decision. I'm a director now of this club and we've made this together. I love David Moyes, but he was a failure. Do you, uh, think, do you think a public statement is necessary? No, it's not, because if there's no public statement, then we know that Ferguson chose option A, which is, okay, I was wrong about Moyes. And wouldn't you, wouldn't you respect him for that? Wouldn't you say, well, fair enough, the man's finally grown the ability to admit when he's wrong. Well, but he, he hasn't, he hasn't he, though. He, if he's, but if, he's, if, 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 that, to, if that was to admit private, when he's wrong by remaining silent. But if, if that was his <laughs> private admission, or that was his 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 genuine response from all this, go, wow, God, I misjudged that. Yeah. I, well, I wouldn't think less of him for that. I think yeah. Gabriele's point was in the context of his position now within the board of Manchester United and what exact power or role he has as a director. And he, I think he feels, I think a lot of people probably feel that. Well, well, Ferguson, Ferguson now is really just a, another former manager. Another former manager. I mean, you know, I think I think he he has a lot of power, has a lot of influence. If he was really batting for David Moyes, maybe they could. Because the point about supporting a manager is that it's only when the manager is failing that it's difficult to do that. Yeah. You know, it's easy to support a manager who's winning and doing well. You know, nobody wants to sack that guy. But once the guy is, is failing and struggling, you know, this is this is this is a good example. You know, you're seven in the league. It doesn't look good. But if you're gonna if you're gonna support the guy, this is when you have to do it. That's what it means. That's that's actually what it means. At the first moment of it being tested, they've they they've sold him out. I think it's when things are so bad. I think, I mean, you could put like an argument there where you know if they were only gonna finish fourth, or they you know only got to the quarters of the FA Cup, or they or they got the last five or six games, and the games didn't mean anything, but they're still in the Champions League next season. You could still put an argument there, was you know, stay behind this fellow. But things were so bad, mm. there was there was there was such a lack of any any signs of hope or any cause for optimism. All of those were gone. That I I don't think you could defend him. Well, what about what about you could say David Moyes could say, for instance, but Ed, <laughs> we're seventh, we're seventh in the league. And Ed, Ed Woodward obviously looking down awkwardly at his feet saying, well, look, you know, seventh in the league is not, not where a club like, like Manchester United wants to be. We, we aspire to be higher. And Moyes is saying, Ed, ten months ago, who was seventh? Who was seven ten months ago in the league? Liverpool. Where are they now? First. Ed, keep the faith. Why don't you believe in me, Ed? I will, Dave. I mean, when you're looking at Liverpool last season, did they look like they were going to win the league or possibly qualify for the Champions League? I don't think they were. I mean, they had, you know, maybe Manchester United don't have a player like Luis Suarez, but otherwise the squad. Yeah, you've got to say Jamie Carragher made the point in Sky, though, that with, with Rodgers, at least in the second half of last season, there were some signs. There were signs. In fact, their form is very good. There's just, as you say, there were probably signs in the second half of that season. Oh, Brendan Rodgers is actually a Liverpool manager. He is good enough to get this once great club up somewhere. Nobody thought he was going to win the league, but up, up into the Champions League. And he's delivered on that. I think you've been pretty clear, Richie, that there was no I sign of that ever. It wasn't that good, you know what I mean? In the second half of the season, it wasn't. I, I, hang on, hang on. Bring it back to Moyes and Manchester United and this season. Yeah. You, you're not suggesting that they made the wrong decision by letting them go. You're not suggesting that, you know, they, they, they were 
they're wrong not to take a punt in the way that Liverpool took a punt. No, I mean, I'm, I mean, my opinion is that they were wrong to they were wrong to appoint him, and that and that they can't. You know, I mean, what, what's been happening under Moyes is a lot more similar to what was happening at Liverpool under Hodgson or Dog Leash. You know, when you know, I mean, Dog Leash even was was doing it. I think a bit better than Moyes. You could say he got to the cup finally. Won he won the Capital One Cup? You know, if Moyes had done that, would he have been able to hang on? Maybe. You know what I mean? He he might have. Um, so this is even worse. It's more it's more akin to Hodgson. And you know, if if they were going to sign up for another year of this. I don't think I don't think they would have been winning the title. I think say, one yeah. of the things, the job now must be one of the most attractive jobs out there. I mean, it was a horrendous, not horrendous. It would be an incredibly difficult thing to do to to succeed Ferguson to follow in his footsteps. But now the job is you're being offered probably a, a like a nine figure transfer sum in the summer, possibly as we're led to believe. Come in and save the club. You've got world class players in the dressing room. They're a bit low in morale. They've taken a bit of a kick in all season. They're still class. Count the medals they've all got. Most, a load of them are going to the World Cup. Like you've got class oozing through this club. A whole busload of money we're going to give you to pick who you want from Europe. Like what a job! Over to you, Ryan Giggs. <laughs> Give it to him, Richie. I'll say one thing for David Moyes. He's given us plenty of good stuff to talk about this season. Brilliant chat again today. Thanks very much for calling in. Cheers, lads. I knew the buzz. That he calls me a rabbit, didn't know them. He said to me, What can you do that the boss hasn't done? You, the boss. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. But there's no way to win it better. Why there's not? Lo- no, 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 no. But that's the only hope we're, we're, I've got. We're only, we're only lost four matches. Then but that, well, that I can only lose three. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. Fluff, that he calls me a rabbit. Good luck. Now that may, that might be you know aiming for utopia, and it might be, might mean being a little bit stupid, but that is the way I am. I'm a little bit stupid regarding this type of thing. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. And I'm truly looking forward to this bestseller. Mm, I don't know. Presume, I said Richie could write the four. Maybe you could. I would have thought Alex Ferguson's the obvious. Tended to write the forward. To write the forward, it could be a little awkward though. Um, Jonathan Northcroft uh, of the Sunday Times is a journalist who uh, I would say is—I don't want to say he's a friend of David Moyes, but I think he's got a decent relationship with David Moyes, or has you know has, mm-hmm. uh, was tweeting earlier to say that Moyes hadn't had any calls from anyone at the Manchester United hierarchy. This news obviously came out Monday. And nobody called him. Nobody, uh, nobody in the Manchester United hierarchy called to reassure or clarify because realistically it wasn't going to be reassurance, but it might have been. Yes, David. Unfortunately, you know, this, uh, nobody called, and that would include Alex Ferguson. Um, so I don't know if the relationship is necessarily as close as it once was. Ferguson might have some uh, explaining to do, some making up to do. Richie had mentioned before we started recording there that he feels Jose Mourinho is a possibility still a year on that maybe Manchester United go back and go for him again. It's slightly more complex now. That's a lot of money they're gonna they would have to pay Chelsea. Not if Chelsea sacked Jose Mourinho. Well that's true, yeah. I mean what if Mourinho loses the title to Liverpool? What if uh, something which he never saw coming, literally never saw coming. When, when remember when he was talking about the little horse? The two big horses were who? Man United, Man City. 
Man City and Arsenal. Oh, that was already this season. Yeah. So he didn't even think about he didn't even think about the possibility that Liverpool could could be involved. So what if he suddenly loses to them? Especially having choked if they don't win the Champions League. I mean, if they win the Champions League, he might do what he always does. I mean, the previous two times he's won, he's immediately left the club. Saying, well, my work here is done. I've taken you to the top of the mountain. You I don't look, have to find your own way. I look really annoyed. Yeah, I'll I'll throw, some throw, my, in. throw yeah. my medal away. I'll, there'll be another one along in a minute. You know, that's, and if they don't win the Champions League and don't win the league, then maybe Roman Ramage thinks, you know what, I've actually seen, I've seen this movie before. I've, I've been here before. I've seen all this happen before. And you know what, I actually don't really want to want to see it again. Well, let's talk to John Bruno of ESPN about some of the other candidates for the job now, John. And Ryan Giggs is somebody we end up talking about quite a lot to Richie Sadler there. Um, and the more you think about him, the more fascinating a character he is within this drama, given his close relationship with the previous manager's not-so-close relationship with uh, David Moyes. Can for, can you rule out any possibility of Giggs as the per, becoming the next permanent Manchester United manager? I can't rule out the possibility is that Manchester United might well miss out on the targets, targeted managers that they, they're looking at at the moment. Um, you know, possibly in the same way that they missed out on transfer targets. Um, the, the talk has been for a while that Giggs has always seen that he that his ambition was to be Manchester United manager. Now, there's many a, a, a leading player has such ambitions. I mean, at United... Brian Robson was, you know, the heir apparent for many years, and obviously went elsewhere and didn't particularly impress. Um, you know, there's a story of, you know, John Terry fancies being Chelsea manager one time. There was some story that he fancied that being part of his contract, but uh, that was rather dismissed. But Giggs is an ambitious guy. He's been in the game so long. Uh, in terms of top level experience, there's not really anybody who has been around the game as much as him. Uh, but we just don't know what type of manager he is. He's, you know, Giggs is a steely character. He is um, someone who, over the years, has shown that he's not a normal footballer or the, you know, the cliché footballer. He's an intelligent guy. He, he's a he's a sharp operator. Um, but I mean, the, the temptation is to compare him to two managers who didn't have much experience before. One of those is Pep Guardiola, of course, who you know is perhaps the best manager in the world at the moment. And the other one is Tim Sherwood. And that <laughs> is perhaps the fear that uh, many fans and maybe the executives at United would have. When we talk about Ryan Giggs being um, a clever guy and a sharp operator, what evidence is there to show that? Well, I mean, I suppose you could look at the point that um, Giggs remains uh, a player at the club um, I think certain players, you know, the, the ability to extend their careers often lies in their intelligence, the way that they manage themselves, the way that they manage the situations. I mean, one of the accusations of Giggs is that during his career, when the contract situation is being discussed, he's always able to put in a bit bit better performances and get him way get his way through that. Um, the you know, there's been much talk about what's been going on behind the scenes at Manchester United. But the thing you have to say is, once it became apparent that there might be a problem between Moyes and Giggs, that really did uh, weaken Moyes' position. Um, it, it exposed him. I mean, the, the felling blow, oddly, might have been Danny Welbeck. But um, 
Giggs is a powerful guy at Manchester United. He's been there longer than anybody now. If, if we say that Ferguson has retreated to the shadows, yeah. Um, yeah, he, he he's probably you know he's learned from the master. The guy that I've just said has gone back into the shadows. Part of a powerful group as well. Great group of players, all great friends, immortalised in a fantastic recent film, which I think they um, pretty much had produced themselves about themselves. Uh, you know, it's Paul Scholes, of course, sort of emerged from his uh, Greta Garbo-like, um, you know, isolation to to kind of criticise David Moyes on Sky recently. There was talk of Nicky Butch being involved in this return. Obviously, Gary Neville is one of the most influential pundits in the game. Poor old Phil Neville obviously found himself on the wrong side of history on this one. Um, but do you see these other uh, guys, uh, these, these other members of the class of 92, uh, having a part to play in the future of Manchester United? I do. Yeah, I do. Um, There's been a lot of talk recently, hasn't there, about the fact that United's legacy of of former players have not been involved in the same way that they maybe are at clubs like Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich is obviously the prime example. Um, You mentioned Nicky Butt. Nicky Butt is an influential character amongst them. He was Giggs' right-hand man in running the dressing room for many years. As you said, the, the, the Paul Scholes appearance from nowhere seemed some sort of carefully managed putsch to show the feelings of that, that group of players on the way things were going at Manchester United. Gary Neville's slightly disassociated because he's got his own separate career at the moment, but the pair, I think him and Giggs, are opening a, 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 a some sort of social club just outside Old Trafford. So they're all involved, um, and one thing to note is that when Steve Round and Jimmy Lubson left the club, Phil Neville didn't leave the club, which shows you that that generation of players still hold considerable cachet. Now, Phil Neville is somebody that's been criticised for perhaps not being experienced enough a coach, but because he is one of those class of 92, Mm. the influence remains. Um, A lot of this is to do with PR, of course, because the club don't want to be seen to banish legends and uh, people like Giggs. Say say they lost Giggs in in the summer and Moyes stayed that will be a PR disaster for them. John, you said at the start that the only way that Ryan Giggs might become the permanent manager is if they missed out on other targets. And already they've missed out on Jurgen Klopp, whether he was a target or not. He's staying at Dortmund, he says. Is there a fear that the job isn't as attractive as um, as it was maybe last year? Because we've we've alluded to this a little bit. In ways you would think it might be more attractive, given that the, you're not, you don't have the pressure of succeeding Alex Ferguson. But unfortunately, if you're coming in, you do have the pressure of not playing in the Champions League football and having to make a, a whole club, re-energise a whole club. Would you fear that they actually might miss out on their, their targets, whether they are Van Hal and the other names being mentioned, Simeone, these kind of guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Van Hal would seem to be fairly low-hanging fruit. Um, he's not been slow to tout himself around... Um, I think the suspicion is, or from what I've heard, is that not everybody at United is convinced by Van Gaal. Um, Simeone and Klopp, I mean, Klopp is obviously seems to be out of reach at the moment, and Simeone would be a difficult, someone's a difficult manager to reach for. Um, but is I it think, a more, is it a more, is it a, is it a more or less attractive job than it was last summer? Say, isn't it? I mean, I would say that okay, you were taken over the the English champions, but you you were having to succeed a manager who'd been there for twenty six years. Um, 
certainly Jose Mourinho fancied the job, who at the time cachet would have been pretty high, despite what happened at Real Madrid. It's yeah. I mean, the thing is, you know, Moyes' minimum requirement was Champions League. That's what's been blamed for for him losing his job. Um, maybe the success. If you think about it, Moyes has lowered the bar. So next season, the manager has to come in and achieve Champions League football and point the club in the right direction. Um, I don't think after what happened this season, anybody is going to suggest that Manchester United are going to bounce back and be champions again. So, the, the, the you know, Moyes' quote on, on his first day in charge, his first press conference was that Manchester United is about winning trophies. I'm not sure that that's quite the direction that they're going in at the moment. I think getting back into the Champions League is going to be the first priority. And there's a minimum requirement for a club of with the riches they have, I don't think that's unachievable. There has a lot... You mentioned the riches there, John, and, and Manchester United are a uh, you know, commercial monster and generate huge revenues, but the Glazers have never previously been distinguished by their... Um, you know, the the urgency with which they rush to spend huge quantities of money which they could otherwise pocket. Um, I mean, there's so much said about their big... Uh, transfer fund that they've gotten, the, the sum of £150 million is regularly mentioned. I, don't, I must say I don't see them spending anything like that amount of money. Not when you look at, for instance, um, what the Brendan Rodgers has managed to do at Liverpool on a comparative shoestring. I mean, I, I, if I was a Glazers, I might be looking at Liverpool and thinking, well, why can't we do something a bit more like that rather than this uh, £150 million plan, which is going to cost £150 million? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Ken. I mean, I, I think... It was, it was one of the things that I found worrying about Moyes was that, that there seemed to be this thing which would be, well, once we spend the money, everything's going to be OK. Well, I, I think we've seen there are many examples of clubs spending big money and not achieving particularly that much. Manchester City may end up being one of those this season. Um, I, I, and I, t- I agree with you on the Glazers. There's no evidence to suggest that they're going to spend any more than they have to to achieve what they need, and as we've said, what they need is to achieve the, the Champions League qualification because obviously with new TV deals and stuff like that, the, the revenue generated from that is increased exponentially, so you can't really afford to be out of it. But I think there's been some careful sums done, um, £150 million. But then again, what does £150 million buy you now if you're a team that needs two midfielders, a central defender... Um, you know, a fullback or two, uh, maybe a striker. Well, it should re- it should realistically buy you at least five really good players. Yes, it should. Yes, it should. But then again, as Manchester United have found out, and they've already spent, I think, sixty-seven and a half million already. You know, in, in, in the last since Ferguson left, on two players that didn't fit in. There's no guarantee when you bring in those type of players, and I think that's probably the thing that will stop the Glazers. Um, Last lavishing out too much money. The other thing is, you do have to consider that, then, you know, if there is to be a clear out of the team, and there has to be, um, there'll be certain players that have a significant cash value. One of them would be Kagawa. I mean, the, the talk this morning is that Dortmund wants him back. I'm not sure they'll pay the same money United pay for him. David De Gea. I mean, he's probably United's highest value asset at the moment. Spanish clubs might want him back. Um, as you said, the, the Glazers are business people. Selling to buy makes sense as well. 
John, if you were a glazer and you sat around the dinner table or the boardroom table, wherever it is to have these important meetings, probably not the dinner table, what, what would your recommendation be? Or what would your choice be? Who would your choice be as the next Man United manager? Well, obviously the, the, the manager that would attract you, you most in, in terms of doing things on a, on a budget, managing well, uh, you know, producing new ideas, energising a club, Klopp has to be the first choice. And I know that Ed Woodward um, was certainly enthused about the prospects of trying to work with him. That avenue has been closed off. The next best, and but we say that as somebody who might actually win the Champions League and the Spanish League, would be Simeone, who's not on a great deal of money compared to the money they paid David Moyes. That would be attractive. Um, beyond that, I'm sceptical of Van Gaal. And then you're beginning to wonder who they might turn to. And at that point, to go back to what we were talking about originally, they might consider going to someone like Giggs and getting the club, club of the well, sorry, the, the class of '92 to run the club. Um, the sack Moyes, which solves one problem, but I don't. I think there are problems ahead. Okay, well we'll see. They uh, managed to come up with solutions for those. John Bruni, ESPN. Great to talk to you as always. Thank you. Thank you. I do just want to throw one more name at you again before we wrap things up here. Mm-hmm. Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah. Well, I like Carlo Ancelotti. Well, everyone likes, that's the whole point. Everyone likes Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah. I mean, most people like David Moyes, I think, but on a personal level, but Ancelotti has a bit more gravitas. That's what Champions League and... Uh, Ancelotti has the ability to look as though he's, he's enjoying his job. David Moyes at Manchester United made everything look like awful hard work. It really did look like really painful, brutal, hard, miserable toil. You look at the guys who Ancelotti works for. He has no problem dealing with and maybe being subservient to um, owners who think they know more than he does about running the club. So that wouldn't be an issue. He never looks massively phased. He, he does well with Chelsea. He still loses the job. That's ah, grand. I'll just move on to another amazing job. Mm. He's, there's a bit of substance to him. I know he's in, a, in, a, in the job at the moment at Real Madrid, but how long is that going to last realistically? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, two years is the maximum stay for most Real managers. Yeah. Even though Mourinho managed a third. Yeah, but only because... Only because the, the president had, had almost manacled himself to Mourinho at the so beginning. So happy for me to throw Ancelotti into the race here? Um, a hat? Look, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose it, it all depends on his relationship with Real Madrid. I mean, obviously he's there at the moment. But, you know, I, I think Ancelotti is a... <laughs> you do sound a bit like his agent. Of course, yes, Ancelotti would be interested in this. Carlo is... Uh, but, you know, I mean, it, uh, it comes back to that thing of who, who are Manchester United going to appoint? Can they afford to take a risk on somebody who they believe to have potential, like David Moyes had, you know, a manager who hasn't won anything, but who they believe is the right type of man and in this environment is going to succeed? Or having been burned on that, are they going to have to go for a more conservative option? Okay, here's a guy who definitely knows what he's doing. And if they decide on that second option, and Mancelotti is one of a small group of managers in Europe who has the credentials you know who has got who who has earned that status? But weirdly, the Moyes appointment was spun as a conservative appointment, part of the traditional Manchester United way of hmm. uh, bringing stability and order to the club. These were all things that were seen at the time, or certainly were trotted out as reasons to pick him. Uh, maybe, but Manchester United have to they just have to get a better grasp of what constitutes a risky appointment and what constitutes a more conservative appointment and then decide which way they want to go down, which route mm. they want to go down. I mean, stage. I think it's clear now that the Moyes appointment was a romantic appointment. You know, it was a, it was sort of, this is the type of club we are in our dreams. 
Um, we're we're a club that's built a family club that's built around value as opposed to what they what they really are, you know. Um, and and maybe the next appointment will have to be a bit more real. Oh, right, that's a lot of moist chat, isn't it? it? It's it is, but you know that's the um, season finale of of moist chat, the series finale. That'll do it. There's no more moist chat, uh, moist chat uh, coming. Um, I suppose unless you say <laughs> sensationally reinstated. <laughs> Flashbacks in future episodes. Yeah, maybe flashbacks to Moise Chat. All right, thanks again. Thanks, Owen. Thanks very much for listening. We will chat to you again a little bit later on the week. You can follow us on Twitter at secondcaptains and facebook.com forward slash secondcaptains. Take care. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.